religion is not provided to us by revelation. It doesn't come from the heavens. It doesn't come from the beyond. It doesn't come from the divine. It's man-made and it shows. It shows very well that religion is created, invented, imposed by a species half a chromosome away from the chimpanzee. It shows, doesn't it? Welcome to the Anti-Theist Atheist Podcast, where every week we feature prominent speakers with their arguments against religion. Remember to subscribe and share. This season, each episode is showcasing opening speeches in religious debates with Christopher Hitchens. Today, we feature Christopher's opening remarks debating whether we'd be better off without religion. Recorded in the year 2007 alongside teammates AC Grayling and the world-renowned Richard Dawkins. Hitchens starts off exclaiming he would not feel safer in religious surroundings, in towns split by barbaric religious sectarian warfare, in towns where it's a matter of faith that determines your identity and human rights, describing places of ethnic cleansing where minority citizens are persecuted under religious constitutions. He then points out lessons we should learn from history, how the preaching of religion gravely poisons and retards civilization, how fascist countries historically have in no way been secular, actually driven by the religious impulse of man with the argument from faith driving opportunist forces. Hitchens then lifts up the course for atheism quite bluntly saying there's no moral equivalence between non-believers who hold evidence, skepticism and reason with conviction and principle and the fanatics who think they know God's will and can tell you what it is. Without any further throat clearing, here is the opening speech from Christopher Hitchens. And remember, love all people, hate bad ideas. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for coming. I think I'll be able to be reasonably terse, given the very heavy artillery that follows me on our side. I think it might perhaps have been felt when I was chosen that the case for atheism should not be made by the spokesman for its moderate wing, Richard Dawkins. Um, <laughs> it might be okay to have at least one extremist on the panel. Um, and I'll begin uh, at once by recalling an exchange I had recently in Colorado Springs with a spokesman of America's evangelical broadcasting wing, a much overrated but nonetheless significant force in American politics, this broadcaster asked me, in response to my own statement of unbelief, he said, I insist that you answer the following question, and that you answer it with a yes or a no. I braced myself, I accepted the challenge unseen. He said, you want to imagine yourself in a strange city where you've never been before. You want to imagine nightfall coming on, and you to be without friends or succor in this town. And you to, you are to ask yourself whether you would feel safer or less safe when you saw a dozen men coming towards you in the dusk, if you were to know that they had recently come from a prayer meeting. <laughs> this is the, I'm, 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 I think I can justifiably say, I'm re relaying to you, comrades, friends, brothers, sisters, the challenge that was put by the religious to me. You'll see at once it's not a yes, no answer. You can't give a yes, no answer to that, but I accept it anyway. I said, very well. 
I won't give a Sesame Street reply, but just without leaving the letter B, I have been in that situation in Bombay, in Belfast, in Beirut, in Belgrade, in Baghdad, and many other places too. And I won't tell you about all of them, but let me just, let me just as it were, fill in some of those uh, latent uh, blanks. Um, in Belfast, the capital city of one of the provinces of this, our United Kingdom, as everybody here knows, everything, culturally, educationally, economically, politically, socially, has been very gravely retarded for at least a quarter of a century, excuse me, at least half a century and maybe more since partition, and before that, because partition is both the uh, outcome and the cause of sectarian warfare in this town, by the simple fact that there are people there who are willing to kill not just one another, but one another's children on the basis of what kind of Christian they are. Horrible things are done, not just in pubs and clubs, but on the streets, on housing estates, uh, on university campuses uh, in that city still, despite the relatively good news we've had uh, today, where the situation remains dominated by barbaric sectarian party leaders, on this and no other basis. Uh, both churches demand that their children are sent to separate schools. They each agree with the other that above all things, their own children must be protected from the faith of another faith. Uh, I don't think I need to elaborate very much more on uh, how horrendous the consequences of that have been and how they are enshrined, by the way, in our own constitution, which mandates that our own head of the church is uh, also the head of the state and of the armed forces. Um, with all the ludicrous Windsor consequences that you get, if you found a national church on the family values of Henry VIII. These conditions, which are farcical in England, Wales, and Scotland, are tragic and ugly, only a few minutes flying time from where we sit. If I pass on from Belfast to, say, Baghdad, where I've recently been, and without reopening any of the arguments about the rightness or otherwise of, of the coalition intervention in Mesopotamia, I think it can be granted by any fair-minded person that what was most needed in Iraq after 30 years of fascism and war was a period of reflection, a, a, a short interlude of calm during which Iraqis could look about themselves and decide perhaps whom they'd like to vote, perhaps what kind of country they'd like to live in, what kind of federal system they might wish to evolve, uh, and to do so unmolested by violence or terror. The parties of God have vetoed every hope of that process. The parties of God now have the Iraqi people in their jaws, and they're saying to them, it's not enough just to kill foreigners or to rail against Jews uh, or Christians or secularists. That's nothing like enough. Uh, it's it, only in Iraq, uh, not only, mainly, chiefly in Iraq, that it's considered perfectly all right, in fact, a, a religious duty uh, to blow up the mosques, to destroy the religious schools of other Muslims of the Muslims of another school, not unlike the pattern of Belfast. It's not enough to have faith, you must have the right version of your own faith, or risk death, mutilation, and humiliation, and the, the destruction, the, the immiseration, the torture of Iraqi society is something that all of us can read about every day. Suppose we were to go to Beirut, uh, the Pearl of the Levant, uh, the most civilized and, and beautiful and cultured uh, city 
of the Middle East and to see what happens when for, for politicized reasons a sectarian constitution is in place which says that the president of, of Lebanon must always be a Maronite Christian, that the speaker of its parliament must always be a Shia, that its vice president must always be a Sunni, that the Druze must have their share, and so on, leaving out at the very bottom, I'm afraid, such forces as Kurds and Armenians by making everyone defined in their citizenship by their faith. Do I need to elaborate what that's done to retard, to bankrupt, to beggar, to disfigure, and to degrade what could have been an ideally plural and diverse and happy <coughs> society? Uh, remaining with letter B, shall I say Banyaluka? Shall I say Belgrade? Or just say Bosnia? Again, one of the most civilized enclaves of the Balkans for many years, protected by a secular constitution and the remains of what had been a secular and democratic republic. And just look what happens when it is decided that it is a, that it is a matter of faith that determines your citizenship, your allegiance, uh, your identity, your nature, uh, your rights. See the recrudescence in the Europe of the late 20th and early 21st century of Catholic fascist parties we thought we'd left behind at Nuremberg, the Eustatia. The recrudescence of forces uh, like the Chetniks, the Serbian Orthodox uh, fascists who took the, exactly the same view except the other way around. See the craven way in which our spineless media, which always defers to people of faith, say that it was Serbs who shelled Sarajevo or Croats who shelled Mostar when what they should have been saying was today the Christian Orthodox militia bombarded an open city around the clock or yesterday the Catholic forces shelled Mostar from dawn till dusk. They didn't do it because it's a matter of taste. We're supposed to respect people of faith and we're supposed to respect them while they do that and, and do that and make this sort of excuse. Uh, there, are, there aren't enough words in my lexicon at any rate to express the contempt that I think any right-thinking person must feel for this conscription of this kind of medieval barbarism. Um, Joan will tell me when I've got a minute. I don't know how, whether I'm yet trespassing on my, um, my rivals and my allies' time, but um, if I was to add uh, Bombay to this list, the city that was very nearly ruined by the sectarian partition of India in 1947-1948, where once again people were told it's a matter of faith what kind of Indian you are. You may have to become a Pakistani if you're Muslim. You may have to lose your life on the proposition. You may not just be a Hindu. Uh, Bombay more or less survived this, the terrifying ethnic cleansing and the pogrom uh, that ensued when the subcontinent was mutilated and maimed and partitioned on, on this basis in the hopes of a genuine Indian unity and independence ruined by way of appeasement of, of uh, people of faith. But Bombay sort of recovered until recently when now its name has been changed, uh, its minority citizens persecuted, intimidated, driven out by a new Hindu nationalist uh, party, the Shiv Sena, that says that, again, if you, don't, if you do not follow the right God, if you don't uh, accept the supernatural as a real force in everyday life, you are not worth uh, whatever it takes to become or to remain or be treated as an ordinary democratic civilized human being in again one of the great cities of Asia. Now, it's not part of my case, and I'm sure it's not part of Professor Grayling's or Professor Dawkins's either, to say that religion is the reason for all of this or the exclusive or sole reason for all of it. 
I think it would be crude and reductionist to say that. But who is going to argue, I'll be fascinated to see, who is going to argue that the matter of faith, that the religious allegiance, that the preachings of religion have not in all these cases gravely exacerbated, gravely deepened, gravely poisoned and prolonged all of these things that have made our tenuous civilization extremely difficult to defend, uphold, maintain, let alone to advance. I don't believe this case could be made. That's for a simple reason, because religion is not provided to us by revelation. It doesn't come from the heavens. It doesn't come from the beyond. It doesn't come from the divine. It's man-made, and it shows. It shows very well that religion is created, invented, imposed by a species half a chromosome away from the chimpanzee. It shows, doesn't it? Well, why do we deceive ourselves on this point? And is there anywhere, I'm now going to wind up, is there anywhere of the, of the places I've mentioned, and I exempt Basra and all the other bees I could take you around, where it wouldn't be enormously welcome if there was a mass conversion to secularism or a mass adoption of the secular idea and principle of the principles of Bertrand Russell, who once spoke famously from this platform, of Thomas Paine, of Thomas Jefferson, of Voltaire, and, and others. And I'll close by saying that I want you to be on your guard against two false issues in this respect, and I'll be very brief. Um, when I mentioned those gentlemen, and I could mention some ladies too in this connection, like Mary Wollstonecraft, don't let anyone tell you that, oh, well, secular tyranny is just as bad. <clears throat> After all, there have been fascist and communist dictatorships which have been just as revolting. Fascism, as you know, was supported by the Catholic Church all through its life, and in fact, till after it had died, and still is defended by it. One of the leaders of the Axis was actually the Japanese leader, was actually a god. There's no way of saying fascism and national socialism and the Axis was secular. And in the case of Stalinism and Maoism and the Khmer Rouge, the same mistake is made, and a religion is made out of man. It's the religious impulse itself that I think we need to oppose, to criticize, to criticize in ourselves as well as in others. The argument from faith, in other words, the argument from certainty. So those of us who maintain this may not be described, my closing point, as fundamentalists or secularists, as certain cheap and demagogic and opportunist forces have recently been suggesting. We do believe in evidence, we do believe in skepticism, we do believe in reason, we hold our views we hold our views with as much conviction and principle as any God-botherer does. But we are open to the argument and we're going to prove it tonight to you. And don't let anyone dare to imply there's a moral equivalence between us and the fanatics and the fools and those who think they know God's will and can tell you what it is, who are our enemies and your enemies too. So I beg to propose the motion that stands in our name. Thank you.